Broadcasting live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk Show. Show. All right. Happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman live on your radio. Hard-hitting news the networks refuse to use, no doubt, starts now. This, my fellow Americans, is the broadcast for August the 8th in the year of our Lord, 2020. This is our one of two and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, and to promote God, family, and country on your radio and the traditions of our founding fathers. Yes, indeed, ladies and gentlemen. We use the blueprint for liberty, the supreme law of the land, the Constitution for the United States of America as our guide. We're convinced the checks and balances brilliantly put in place by the founding fathers. One of the great peaceful solutions we have at our fingertips, we reject revolution. We stand for peaceful restoration of the greatest country on the face of the earth. The only question is left. <laughs> Will they let us be involved in a peaceful restoration? Sadly, it looks more and more and more like that will not be the case. I pray that I'm wrong on this, but I just look at what they're ratcheting up and what they're doing to violate the sacred cause of liberty, and I go, man, I don't know. The late Ezra Taft Benson said, once we lose too much of our freedoms, only blood, that's human blood, will bring it back. So you know what? We're in serious, serious trouble, ladies and gentlemen. But take no fear. We trust in our God, and we'll do every bit we can to peacefully restore the country. Normally, I do a recap of the previous show, but it's so on point, so on topic today, I'm not doing it. We've got two incredible guests for two hours in the roundtable. First, we have Ammon Bundy with us. Welcome back, Ammon. Thank you. We also have Richard Mack with us. Welcome back, sir. Thank you, Sam. Great to be with you and Ammon. Thank you so much for having me. All right. There's so much to discuss. There's so many topics I want to get to. Uh, but before we do, we talked yesterday a bunch about Cliven Bundy and Sons win appeal. Obama and the Justice Department's criminal prosecution comes to an end. Ammon, your response? Well, I was at peace with it uh, even before they made that decision. Um, I'm still at peace with it, and you know, but I am grateful it's over. Um, I think, you know, it sounds like you covered the covered it pretty good uh, yesterday. But basically, the Ninth Circuit upheld what the um, Judge Navarro, the district uh, judge, ruled, and that the prosecution, you know basically lied and made a whole bunch of stuff up and my family suffered a long time for that and now it's over it says appeals court condemns obama doj's prosecution they throw out they say conspiracy and felony weapons charges against the nevada ranchers now here's what's interesting to me the only people involved in a conspiracy sir was the government yeah, you know, we we said for quite a while that everything that they accused us of is what they did, including the conspiracy charges. Um, and I mean that 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 couldn't be more truthful. Um, they you know tried to cover up that there was snipers. Uh, that was a big thing. They tried to cover up that there was no FBI. They tried to cover up that my dad had any uh, legal rights, um, and even giving you know and then. Then through the trial, they, they decided that they were going to continue to try to push this, but they were getting exposed everywhere they went. Uh, and finally, the judge had to say, hey, enough is enough. And she declared it a mistrial with, with prejudice. Um, but, yeah, that's exactly what they 
what they said we were doing is exactly what they were doing. They even had a literal kill list, right? Yeah, they had a kill list. Um, you know, a, a kind of a, a story I tell quite often is uh, Mary Jo Rugwell, who was the Southern Nevada uh, Bureau of Land Management uh, district manager, um, she came in, she got on the stand in, uh, in our trial, and she was specifically asked by us and cross, or cross-examined by us, but she was specifically asked um, if she knew that Clive and Bundy, you know, my father had, had uh, water and grazing rights in the Southern Nevada district. And she said absolutely not. She did not know that. She was also specifically asked if she knew that Nevada had jurisdiction over the waters, and said she and she said she didn't. And then uh, we produced a document with her letterhead, her writing, her signature, that was requesting the Nevada Department of Water Resources to revoke Five and Bundy's eleven water rights. And this is the type of stuff that was going through the trial, you know on and on uh we were impeaching every witness that the government put up because they were all lying well and how do you have on letterhead uh trying to strip somebody of something that they already have it's pretty obvious and clear not only were they uh involved in misconduct but they they not only did the judge call it flagrant misconduct back in the day but even the appellate court said this was not only misconduct but it was flagrant they in, they didn't just lie or get confused. They intentionally were involved in this, these prosecutors. Uh, this isn't one time. This is the jury said Ammon Bundy not guilty. They tase his attorney in court. <laughs> then the judge says, wait a minute, the government's out of control, man. And now the Circuit Court of Appeals says the government's out of control and this has got to stop. Larry Clayman kind of highlights this. The lawyer for Clive and Bundy basically said this. Said this, not only is it in Ammon Bundy's case, but in other cases, he had this to say. My client, Cliven Bundy, having been forced to endure the emotional distress and physical harm of being arrested, denied bail, being thrown in solitary confinement for no valid reason, denied right of counsel, Denied a speedy trial, and then, what, two years of illegal incarceration? Okay, he had to endure then a sham and a fraudulent, intentionally flagrant misuse of justice situation where exculpatory evidence was intentionally withheld. Prosecutors literally lied and perjured themselves before the presiding judge. Then a whistleblower had to come forward. More and more facts had to come out. It was nothing but an act of God that stopped these criminal thugs. Sheriff Richard Mack, your response. Wow. Uh, that's uh, a lot to uh, cover. Uh, the first response I have is that I'm uh, so happy for the Bundys to finally have their nightmare ended. Uh, I thought what they did at uh, Bunkerville was so courageous and uh, American, and uh, I totally supported them with that. And I, I just am so happy 
for them. I just, I, I'm just busting, and uh, the next thing you you have to ask, I guess, are you going to sue the federal government? Are uh, you? I mean, are we going to try to teach them a lesson? Uh, are we going to try to make sure that they have to answer for their crimes? Or are, we, uh, are, are the Bundys going to completely walk away? I guess that's the question I have now. I think a lot of people are wondering that. Ammon? <laughs> well. I got to prosecute so, the thug prosecutors is what I think. So this is, this is the thing, you know. A lot of people don't think about it. Um, they the prosecutors are still immune. They're, they're protected under immunity. So as far as any personal uh, damages done to those who actually did the damage, the courts and the system and, you know, the even the, the law, if you want to call it that, protects them. It basically says that, okay, you, uh, you know, you did bad things, and, and but under the realm in which you did it, you're still protected by by the government. So that doesn't. See, and, and let me stop you there, Ammon, because I completely disagree. I mean, I, I understand what you're saying, and I'm not suggesting that you're wrong on the facts. What I am suggesting, though, is we can't let this stand in America that that to be the case. Now, if you're carrying out your legitimate government duties, obeying the law, keeping your oath of office, and doing the things that you're supposed to, I understand maybe a little bit of that immunity. Otherwise, no one would want to serve their government. But when you literally perjure yourself in court, when you literally lie, when you literally are such a rogue thug agent with a, a vendetta or an agenda or whatever you want to call it, and you literally personally create kill lists and point guns at people and perjure yourself and lie and withhold evidence to the point where every court in the land sees it to where um, you had to have a whistleblower get so incensed that they speak out and say, wait a minute, this is just at some point you say, you know what? I don't care that they work for the government. Somebody's got to do something, sir. Yeah, I, I mean, I understand. I agree with you there. But the fact is, is when it comes to anybody in our government and our law enforcement, our police forces, um, they have created a, a, a very uh, rock-solid immunity. Uh, and it's just that's what you get when you get, you know, bureaucrats uh, sticking together, looking out for each other. And that's what they do full time. And over the many decades, the last century, they have created an ironclad protection for themselves. And so it makes it almost impossible to hold them personally accountable. Now, yeah, we could go to the court. We could probably, you know, end up getting a few million dollars. Um, you know, for our damages because they incarcerated us. And, I mean, you know, people really probably don't understand the treatment that we received. I mean, most of us spent months and months in solitary confinement. I spent half the time I was incarcerated, which was two years in solitary confinement. Well, all I'm telling you is if this doesn't stop, if we allow this secret combination for rogue agents, rogue thugs in government, the good guys don't stop it, meaning the people and or other elected and or appointed officials, I'm telling you, they'll create a revolution in this country because eventually the people won't take it. I, well, pray, I pray I'm wrong. Let's talk further in a second. Hang on, Ammon. Hard break. Back in a flash. Liberty is not free. Its costs are innumerable. 
Without monetary funding, the valiant efforts of freedom-loving Americans become diminished or outright defeated. We present a solution, the Give Me Liberty Fund. The plan is quite simple. Invite individual Americans to contribute less than a dollar a day. These monetary funds are used to promote liberty-minded media, organizations, events, candidates, movements, and speakers. In the spirit of transparency, all expenditures are published. Patriotic business owners provide discounted products and services to Give Me Liberty Fund members. Our greatest strength is in numbers. Go to GiveMeLibertyFund.com and become part of the solution today. GiveMeLibertyFund.com Participate in the peaceful restoration of the greatest and freest country in the world. Kosher. Certified. Put the two words together to get co-certified, which is spelled with an S-E-H instead of just S-H. It's the right way to spell this, the German way, and it made it easier to trademark. Now, did I tell you that the letters S-C-H still make the shh sound, as in all those American food producers saying shh? Let's keep it really quiet that our product is kosher certified. Think about it. Nearly one century of kosher certification, and hardly anyone outside exclusive observers knows that most packaged food and kitchen products are literally certified by religious intermediaries. Well, because you, consumer, are indirectly paying for this, the Co-Certified app is here to make kosher certification awareness an inclusive matter for people of all faiths and identities, and it even boasts a unique database of products not kosher certified. We call that NKC. Start memeing it. It's fun. NKC, not kosher certified. Now to confuse our audience even more, we put a question mark at the end of our name, and that really cinched our trademark approval. It relates to the website where you can begin your new shopping behavior, thekosherquestion.com. All right, Ammon Bundy and Richard Mack with me, ladies and gentlemen. I'm telling you right now, as long as we allow the secret combination to be above the people where rogue thugs have complete immunity, I'm telling you it'll eventually be the undoing of this country if we allow that to stand, Ammon. Yeah, and I agree. I think the question is, is how do you not allow them to get above you? Um, you know, that I think that's the question. Let's look at, like, you know, if we go and sue them in the in their own courts, which I think is there needs to be a discussion if even these courts are even constitutional or not. If what they are doing, uh, prosecuting the people in federal courts, is even constitutional, and uh, I would submit we, to you clearly the answer is no. Yeah, so now we go legitimize them by playing further games with them in their courts. Um, and then ultimately what happens is that there's no personal accountability to those who actually made the egregious uh, uh, decisions. And then we, we win. So the court says, okay, we have to give the Bundys, you know, several million dollars. And where does that come from? That comes from the people. And so they, the bureaucrats, the prosecutors, the, you know, all the law enforcement officers that were, you know, pointing guns and doing all the damage to Dan Love. All, none of them ever are accountable. None of them. The only ones that have to pay the bill are the American people. And I'm not willing to put this on the shoulders of the American people. So show me where I can hold the, the people that actually made these decisions and actually truly damaged us. Show me how I can hold them accountable. Well, and, and your point is that you can't, and you're factually, sadly, correct. Sheriff, uh, this is where Ammon Bundy says, what are we to do? And I think it's one of the greatest questions of our time. 
Yeah, I, I I wouldn't worry about holding the American people accountable because uh, maybe the American people will get mad at having to spend money on this uh, uh, evil uh, and these crimes. Uh, their insurance uh, is probably already being paid for, so uh, I would say do it. Uh, expose them publicly because you're absolutely correct, Ammon, on the million, multi-million dollar settlement that you would get for illegal incarceration and violation of your rights. They're not immune from that. And so uh, uh, the mistreatment that uh, you and your family received, uh, I think, uh, should go uh, to court. And, and I, you know, they'll make an out-of-court settlement with you or at least try to. And I think you ought to do that. I think it ought to go public that uh, this happened. This, the, your victory yesterday hardly got any attention, and I think the truth needs to be uh, brought out, including uh, the wholesale slaughter of cattle on your ranch. Uh, these people just... Uh, but, it, but Ammon's right, though, Sheriff. It reminds me of the Randy Weaver days, where what happened was, hey, it was a huge fanfare. Randy was this evil guy. Anyway, it turns out that literally they murdered a woman unarmed woman with a baby in her arms and Lon, and Lon Horiuchi just runs around free. Yeah. He, got promoted. Well, he got promoted and became the special agent in charge in Dallas. I mean, it is just absolutely like criminal. Ammon, go ahead, sir. Well, just think of like um, um, we look at like Dr. Red in in southern Utah Good point. where they came Great in point. And, and literally raided his home, terrorized his family. Uh, and and traumatized him to the point where this very sound, very loved doctor um, takes his own life because Dan Love, the very same man that headed our charge, uh, Dan Love basically manipulated and threatened him to the point where he thought the only way that his family wasn't going to suffer under years and years, even decades of, of federal trauma was to... Uh, eliminate himself from the picture and his family would go free. So he did that. He took his own life. Um, and then uh, they promoted Dan Love to be uh, uh, agent of the year for the Bureau of Land Management. Now, one of the one of the phrases that I want to take away, though, is they say Obama prosecutors in a lot of these headlines that I'm reading uh, about this. But look, we've been under the Trump administration for three years and I mean, I don't see maybe as aggressive of abuses, but I certainly don't see a turnaround in an effort to drain the swamp and throw the thugs in prison, really. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you pointed that out because we were incarcerated longer under Trump than we were under Obama. And we plead, pleaded with Trump to, to end this. And then also, at the end of our trials, Trump uh, sent a new, because he, Myrie was, the acting, our prosecutor was the acting U.S. attorney. And so Myrie, or, uh, Trump sent a new appointee, and that new appointee was more aggressive than Myrie um, against us. And she's the one that pushed this to the, the appeals court. And so, no, this is not an Obama, uh, you know, thing. This is, uh, you know, a federal government thing. This is corruption in, in the, you know, hierarchies of the federal government, and and it's it's not just one administration. And it, it went on before before Obama. Well, and if you if you want to know if Trump has the power to literally get involved and do something about it, just ask Dinesh Salza and just ask Roger Stone, right? Yeah, well, 
you know, when I when when Trump appointed the new Nevada district attorney, we thought, okay, look, maybe this is Trump's way in saying, hey, look, we're going to alleviate the Bundys from you know this this terrible challenge that they're facing. But no, she was just as aggressive and even actually even more aggressive than the acting uh, U.S. attorney, which was Steve Myrie, our, our the head prosecutor on our, in our in our case, and the one that the the uh, district uh, court and and circuit court is is condemning so much. And so, I I I, I fail to see how Trump uh, or Obama, either way, is less culpable. All right, I wanted to highlight that because I, I, I'm sick of everybody blaming everything on Obama. You know, even if the holdovers are part of the problem, at some point, hey, you got to clean house and get rid of these holdovers if they're criminal. Okay, uh, Chuck Baldwin wrote an incredible column with a headline that I wanted you to talk about a little bit, Ammon, if you have a second here. It says this: We are facing the greatest assault on our civil liberties in our lifetime. Chuck Baldwin. Well, just. Look back five, six months, six months ago, let's go prior, you know, to March and look at how life was then and then look how life is now. And what we're seeing is a, kind of a culmination or the, you know, we're looking at kind of what the beginning of the end, unfortunately. Um, but our, we've had more liberties taken away from us, individual liberties that affect our individual lives more in the last five, six months than we ever have in history. And and most people just are thinking that it's just a virus or just something that the government has to do. Now, what I find interesting is a lot of times folks like me say, you know, it would probably almost even be better that if a, an Obama or a Hillary Clinton or a who knows, some whacked out liberal extreme Democrat was in office because then the people would be on guard and be incensed and say, uh-uh. And that that that'd be on their game a little bit more. Where when you have a Republican in the White House, or so-called a conservative in some way, people let down their guard. They kind of you know pass out, fall asleep at the switch, kind of a thing. And to some degree, I almost see that happening here. But even worse, because it's attack Trump, he's evil. At the same time, hate the Republicans or whatever. And nobody's even focused on anything that matters. Well, and you know, again, we've lost more liberties. Um, and we could go down through them, and the justification has not been there. You know, uh, there was just a new statistical report that came from any one of the bureaucracies here in Idaho. I should have it better referenced, but we've in uh, year to date we lost more people's. You know, more people died uh, by medical causes in Idaho in 2019 than they have in 2020, and uh, yet. You know, we've been on lockdown. Our businesses have been shut down. I mean, uh, you know, we've been uh, threatened. Moms have been arrested for taking their kids to parks. I mean, what is going on in the United States of America, even in Idaho? Well, here's my opinion, and we'll get the good sheriff to chime in on this uh, as well. I am convinced what we have in America, the real core of the problem, is we have a moral crisis on our hands. We've allowed our, meter, our leaders to become immoral. We've allowed secret combinations to get above us. We have literally become, uh, for the most part, an immoral society and people. 
And I think that's at the core of what we face. Let me give you a couple of headlines to make the point. Clive and Bundy and Sons win appeal. Obama DOJ's political prosecution comes to an end, they say. But I say just the DOJ, the swamp. I don't see the swamp being drained, right? In I fact, I don't, I don't see it at all. Okay? You got mail fraud p- potential going on everywhere for voting. You got ballot harvesting going on. You've got New York City setting lo- checkpoints. You got Vice President Mike Pence calling Chief Justice Roberts a disappointment. Well, he's more than that. We'll talk about it. Hang tight. Proclaiming liberty across the land. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Kenneth Burns. Those bipartisan talks on a coronavirus relief bill, they've collapsed. A compromise between Congress and the White House is now in doubt as the U.S. has eclipsed 160,000 coronavirus deaths, according to Johns Hopkins University. Democrats were seeking a $3.4 trillion deal at one point. Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer said they even offered to reduce the price tag. We come down a trillion from our top number which is 3-4. They go up a trillion from their top number, which was one. President Trump in New Jersey said if Democrats don't act, he would bring relief by executive order. And what we're talking about is deferring the payroll tax for a period of months till the end of the year, and I could extend it at a certain period. This is USA Radio News. This is Wayne Allen Root. Are you in need of a health care program? You're in luck. As a member of Liberty HealthShare, you're part of a community that comes together to share their medical expenses. You can sign up throughout the year with membership starting as early as the following month. There are no contracts, no commitments. There is no network, so you choose your own doctors and hospitals. Starting as low as $199 per month, Liberty HealthShare has programs for singles, couples, and families of any size. I joined. I'm a member. My four children are members. Liberty has saved me $72,000 compared to what I was paying for health insurance over these four years. Liberty HealthShare is a non profit ministry it is not insurance your money goes towards helping other members with their eligible medical expenses and in your time of need other members are there for you you can feel good knowing you're part of a community of like-minded individuals who come together to bear one another's burdens to find out more call 855-58-LIBERTY 855-58-LIBERTY or go to libertyhealthshare.org slash wayne root libertyhealthshare.org slash wayne root The U.S. economy added 1.8 million jobs last month as the unemployment rate fell to 10.2 percent. USA Radio's John Clemens reports. This latest report follows the 4.8 million jobs that were added in June before a spike in COVID-19 cases. Lainey Carajorge of the Bureau of Labor Statistics has the latest report. Total non-farm payroll employment rose by 1.8 million in July and the unemployment rate fell to 10.2 percent. These improvements in the labor market reflected the continued resumption of economic activity that had been curtailed due to the coronavirus pandemic and efforts to contain it. In July, employment rose in several major industries, with the largest gains in leisure and hospitality, government, retail trade, professional and business services, other services, and health care. For the USA Radio Network, I'm John Clemens. The Dow finished up Friday 46 and a half points. You are listening to USA Radio News. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, Ammon Bundy with us, Richard Mack with us. We're talking about, I believe we have a moral crisis in America. Let me give you an example. While all these violations of our rights are happening, Glenn Beck literally seeking. He wants you to vote for him. He's been nominated for the Radio Hall of Fame. Okay, I don't know if we're involved in priestcraft or what's going on here, but I don't know why you want to be part of the Radio Hall of Fame. But anyway, it's Glenn Beck's organization, The Blaze, that nominated him for the position. While all that goes on, listen up. Socialism will bankrupt America. The team at the American Heritage Foundation put together an exclusive e-booklet called The Nine Ways Socialism Will Morally Bankrupt America. All right? The problem is when the counterculture becomes the culture, we're in serious trouble indeed. All right? North Carolina rep. Mark Walker now called on Jerry Falwell Jr. to step down as president of the Liberty University. Listen, I guess he got caught with some photos that went viral showing him vacationing with his arm around a woman and his pants unzipped. And now they say Falwell will take leave from Liberty University. Okay, this is the corruption that we're talking about. Now, Judge Neem Puro says this. A, the apparent corruption within the National Rifle Association, the NRA, no big deal. No problem. Doesn't justify it being dissolved. Now, I'm not here to pick sides on that, but we're basically dismissing corruption everywhere and saying, oh, lying and immorality, it doesn't make a difference. It's not a big deal. It's and we just seem to ignore all that matters. And I'm telling you, you can't ignore those fundamental moral principles and expect to stay free. Sheriff first, then Ammon. Well, <clears throat> that's kind of a crazy statement that uh, we're going to be morally bankrupt from socialism. Uh, because I think we're already uh, way past that, and we're also way past a financial bankruptcy. Um when you look at the the literal debt of the country and the enslaving debt that our future generations are now under because of Republicans and Democrats who will not bring spending under control, and this fight between the Republicans and Democrats right now, how absolutely, how absolutely out of control they are, how unconstitutional they are, how uh, stupid they really are, both sides, I mean, one side wants one trillion, the other wants three, and they don't understand why they can't come together for two trillion to save us from the destruction that they've already caused. Uh, just absolutely mind blowing, all of this. But uh, I, I believe that our government is way beyond morally bankrupt, and we're we're pr- pretty much over the cliff on the financial one too. So big surprise from the Heritage Foundation there. Uh, I, I'm I'm absolutely appalled that uh, th- this could keep going on and nobody recognize it, and the sheeple of America just keep right on going along. Uh, it, astonishing, uh, absolutely astonishing. Ammon, well, I agree with Richard. It is astonishing. I I think you know as you alluded to, um, the collective has basically become so strong and what i mean by that is those who believe and act and profess that it is their right to live off the fruits of another's labor 
um, they have become the majority, uh, actually quite a bit the majority, and they have generationally become used to uh, living off somebody else where they don't even think or know or even believe or even understand what it is to actually produce and provide for yourself. They're so used to living off somebody else, and now they think it is their actual right. Uh, and it all came, in my in my opinion, it came because of direct uh, violations of the Constitution. And when I say that, people say, oh, you know, the Constitution, the Constitution. What I mean by that is the Constitution is a set of limits uh, you know, or I guess a set of authorizations that the government is authorized to do. But when you throw that out and they say in the government, gov- when I may say government, those in Congress or those in your state government, when you throw the Constitution out, then all of a sudden now they say that now we can do anything. I mean, we can spend money for anything we decide. We can make laws for anything we decide. Um, and we could basically act in any way we decide. In fact, we can jettison the checks and balances altogether, and we don't even really make laws to just mandate them. Yeah, this, so now they're they're up in Washington D.C. deciding whether they're going to spend one trillion or three trillion or two trillion, uh, and none of it is their author. There, none of it there is their. Uh, they don't have authority for any, for them to spend any of it. The federal government has no authority to spend any money or to really do anything when it comes to health care. Well, not only do they not have authority, they don't even have any money in. <laughs> well, I, I, that's a whole other issue, right? But yes, I mean, sir. That's what got us there. Right. Basically, them, you know, overstepping the authority that the people give them in the Constitution. Now you have to ask, what do we do? Well, and the fundamental flaw here, ladies and gentlemen, is that we can ignore this immorality, ignore these rogue agents, ignore these secret combinations above us, and as an immoral people, we have a prayer to bring back freedom. And I don't think as long as we remain an immoral people, I don't believe we can bring back freedom. I think it's a fundamental disconnect to even believe it's possible unless we turn to morality again, unless we jettison our evil ways that are against God's laws. And all we got to simply do is forget about the gazillion government edicts and whatever and turn to God's commandments and repent until we do that. There is no other answer. And I know I sound like a broken record on this, guys, but I'm telling you there is no other answer. Ammon? Yeah, so, I mean, you're, Sam, you're exactly right. But, you know, when you say we turn away from our immoral actions, um, that is an independent, that is an individual thing that has to happen. Amen. Um, it's an individual. It has to happen in each one of our lives, and then collectively we will benefit from it. Um, so that is a matter of, you know, if we are going to do that, is we have to heavily proselyte and show people, which I, I know that's what we've been trying to do, but it, but we, you know, and say, hey, look, this is immoral. Uh, it is immoral to take the fruits of somebody else's labor. It is immoral to act outside the authority as government that the people have given them. It is immoral to, you know, to, you know, things like, you know, to not, to, to be in a sexual relationship with without marriage, and these are the things that it causes, and the list can go on and on and on, right? So we prof like that, we teach that, and we try to get as many people as we can uh, to, you know, see it this way and change their lives and repent, and then we benefit from it. Uh, we benefit from it collectively, 
But the reality is, is can this be done fast enough before there's a complete collapse? And the answer and is I, no, sir. The answer is no. I don't see how it can. And so then you ask the question, well, what do we do? And I, I think the answer is that those who see it, those who have repented, or those who have kept themselves from the immorality, must unite and ultimately are going to have to defend themselves against the wicked. I think the only way to really get that done in meaningful, legitimate ways uh, so that we could deal with our own economics together, so that we could deal with our own defense together, would be covenant communities of sorts. I don't see any other way. Yeah, I I agree with you. I'm interested, uh, uh, Richard, what your view on that is. Well, I, I totally agree with you and Sam. Uh, it, I think you got it spot on there. Um, I, I, it, it, we've got to get our own houses in order. And it has to start with me. And we save America one family at a time. But the destruction that has happened to the family in this country, um, it's uh, another, I keep saying astonishing. <laughs> it's uh, its downright scary uh, what we've done to the family. And uh, right now <clears throat> that uh, it's uh, because of our government, not the coronavirus, because of our government and because of the sheeple that we have in our country, uh, that we, it's easier for any citizen to to go into a casino than it is for you and me to go to church. Hmm. Well, and that's the immorality that I'm talking about. When they say you can riot and pillage and plunder and destroy private or destroy public and private property, uh, and you can assault people, and it's all under the necessity of taking care of black lives or whatever else. But yet, hey, you can't go to church. You can't worship. You can't really peacefully assemble. Uh, then we have a real problem. You can riot and stuff, but you can't peacefully assemble. We've simply turned all things moral upside down or on its head, and it's a problem. The question becomes, if we were to create a covenant community, the only way I know to do it would be to find a county that we could literally get a real, honest, constitutional, moral county sheriff, and then you'd have to have county commissioners that were moral. Uh, if you don't start with moral leadership, I don't know how you'll ever have a, a, a moral covenant community because what will happen is the leadership will just criminalize everything we do. So the question is, how would we go about that? I want to finish up this in this hour. Next hour, we got some disagreements to talk about, but we can do so agreeably. Why? Because this is the one and only. Everybody Roundtable Live. Attention Liberty News Radio listeners. Hard-hitting talk radio has never been and never will be supported by the mainstream in America. Hard-hitting talk radio is taking on the mainstream press like never before. News the networks refuse to use is one of the best ways to educate people. We invite all liberty-loving Americans to join with us to restore the principles of our founding fathers and promote God, family, and country in the media and our lives. Please help spread the Liberty message with your generous donation. You can go online at libertynewsradio.com right now and make a donation online. Or call 801-756-9133 and make a donation over the phone. That's libertynewsradio.com and 801-756-9133. Make a donation today. 
As the United States boldly stepped forward in the glorious light provided by its new constitution in 1787, the nations of the earth were in awe of the newfound strength and hope of this free land. Today, the nation stands at a crossroads, a divergence from the original intent put forth in the United States Constitution has brought grave threats to our beloved nation. A miracle is needed if the United States is to survive. That miracle is again the pure application of the United States Constitution. I'm Scott Bradley. In my To Preserve the Nation book and lecture series, I bring forth truths that will help raise up a new generation of statesmen like those noble Americans who founded this land. Vigorous application of these principles will invigorate and restore the nation, and we may become again the freest, most prosperous, most respected, and happiest nation on earth. Visit topreservethenation.com to begin that restoration. All right, Ammon Bundy, Richard Mack with me, ladies and gentlemen. The question before us, can we create a constitutional covenant community? Would it take a county... A city? Where do you go? You know, the um, days of old, they could flee to America for a land of liberty, a promised land. We don't need to flee anywhere. We already got the promised land. But where can you actually do it without being molested and abused? And, you know, can we create a covenant community? And if so, where and how and who? Ammon, you're first. Well, I think that we live in a time now that uh, we have tools and abilities that we've never had before. We have the ability to communicate. I mean, right now, if I'm not uh, incorrect, we're in three different states co- communicating right, right now. Yes, sir. Um, and we have the ability to, you know, even visually see each other. Uh, transportation is amazing. Um, so the uh, the need to be in a jurisdiction or a, a geographical uh, community is less uh, than ever before. Now, obviously, there is the physical defense side, but I think we we must, and and I and that's what I believe we have been doing, uh, be uniting right now, um, in in all our places, uh, in where we're at right now. If there's ever a physical uniting, um, or if we need to somehow uh, do that, which we know we will in the future, but right now we right where we're at, we need to unite. Um, that's you know we've been doing doing things uh, like creating a network we're calling people's rights. Um, and that is basically unite uh, people in their neighborhoods who truly believe, uh, you know, that they have a right uh, given to them by God and that these rights are worth preserving. So I think we, we start right where we're at. Sam. Sheriff? Uh, I have said for how many years, Sam? Um uh, I don't know. I've been around at least for 10 plus of them. So for a long time, there's no doubt. We've, we've all been saying this. The problem is people have tried to get it together, and they simply can't. You go look at uh, the Live Free or Die State project as an example. Uh, as Ammon points out, it's very tough for everybody to get together physically. We do need to start where we are. He's right about that. I think we have to. I think we're uh, if we're going to get back to some uh, freedom uh, without them, Try p- being able to pick us off or just to ostracize us enough and make us where we're ir- irrelevant politically. Uh, if we keep living all o- scattered all over the country, uh, these types of things are going to continue to happen. Uh, we're, we're not going to be fully protected, uh, and we can live in the same communities. And just as you alluded to, Sam, you and I have talked about this. 
We have a constitutional moral sheriff. We have constitutional moral county commissioners, city councils, people, the same thing. We must live in the same area. I believe it's the only peaceful solution uh, that we have left. If the sheriff, if the if we don't get enough sheriffs on board in this country, I believe uh, that's the only solution left. Yeah, and I don't think we can get enough sheriffs on board because the money uh, and the fear are, right now are just too great. We might get a county sheriff uh, in a county community scenario, but we're not going to get sheriffs across the country. Uh, because they're dismantling sheriffs in certain states. and I mean, You know, we got a row to hoe. Uh, Ammon, as I've researched covenant communities and everything else, I think there's only two states that I'd consider uh, being involved in one, Utah or Idaho. Well, I, you know, again, I I often wondered, not, not that that isn't the solution. Um, uh, we know that at some point we're going to have to come out of the corruption and the wickedness and unite together and 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 also do it physically but i often wonder how you know if there was a county um that was to do what uh you're talking about sheriff which is a a wonderful idea and imagine living in that but would they would it not become attacked by uh i mean literally looked at as maybe even um you know, trying to uh, rebel against, you know, these these basically bureaucrats because you wouldn't be able to live. You wouldn't be able to live the way they want. That would be the whole point. And eventually, they would declare you as an enemy to the United States or something uh, radically like that. And so, anyway, those are some no. Things. I think I think Ammon's right on the spot, Sheriff. They're already uh, doing that. Yeah, they're already doing it. I think he's right on the spot. But the point is, I think one of the things that the patriots don't realize is this. The founding fathers, I know people believe the revolution was just like, oh, man, in 1776, they just like busted out and revolted and everything. But uh, people don't understand how long that was in the making and how many usurpations and abuses and and difficulties and violations and attacks and prosecute. People don't realize how long that was. It was 40, 50, 60 years uh, in the processes. And then eventually they wrote the Declaration of Independence to a candid world saying, look, before our God and before all of you. Here's what we've endured, and here's what we're finally forced to do. We haven't done this lightly, or we haven't done this um, recklessly, but it's absolutely vital and necessary. Well, the patriots oftentimes want to jump to war quickly. They're like, hey, let's just stop this and take a – the time for talk is over. And I get all that, but at the same time, I say there's a lot of things we haven't tried. And until we try those, I'm not so sure um, that we're justified completely – but we've got to go through these processes. And I know it's frustrating and slow. They probably will do what Ammon says. At the same time, I think we need to try it because it's it's using the proper role of government. It's using the checks and balances. It's using the principles. And it, you know what? If they destroy that or, or, or go against that, again, it just creates another Declaration of Independence justification uh, for what, well, we've done everything we can to be peaceful, guys. And Here's the long list, the long train of usurpations, I think is how they call it. Uh, Sheriff, what do you say to that? Well, I would much rather do that than what I think you've already alluded to also, Sam, today. And that is uh, the fight, the the violence that's uh, around the corner. Uh, I'm scared to death of that possibility. Uh, I, I think that is going to be disastrous. For, for everyone, 
they've already committed acts of violence against us. I mean, people were ready to uh, grab their guns after Waco and then grab their guns after Ruby Ridge and and uh, it, uh, it you know there was there's been others. Uh, you know, they got away with murder at Kent State, 1970. Uh, the government continues to get away with murder, and I don't believe that they could they could come in and kill or arrest an entire county of people or three or four counties of people. Uh, yeah, they will. They'll there'll be some pushback, no question about it. But but we're only going to be saying we have a community where whoever wants to live free is welcome here. Uh, we're not shunning anybody. We're not breaking any laws. The people here agree. Everybody here agrees that we want to be left alone and be self-reliant and independent. And yes, I think that's going to be absolutely more critical uh, if Biden gets uh, elected. Amen to that. So I, I'm a little more with Hammond that I think they can and they will uh, go ham and try to destroy any, anything we build in that regard. I hope they uh, obey the law like Richard Mack says, but I, I, I've seen the criminals. I, I, I don't think they'll obey the law. They never have. But do you think they'll just uh, mow the whole group down, send in the military? Yeah, I don't think. See, that's, yeah. Uh, so, I, I, and, I, and I think with Ammon, they actually might, Sheriff. It, I mean, these it, people are I, flat I out crazy. That that's a possibility. I'm not saying it's protected from their corruption because their corruption knows no end. But I would rather be, I would rather be there united with, uh, 50,000 people that are like-minded instead of all of us scattered all over hoping that somebody will leave us alone. No. Well, in that, yeah, I think we all agree, Ammon. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I agree with uh, uh, with Sheriff Matt. I look at, and again, I, I hate to be the, you know, the antagonizer here, but, but, you know, natural resources, you can't have a community living free and independent without having access to natural resources. So now you've got you know, you've got to claim water, you've got to claim the land, you've got to claim the minerals, and all of that the federal government has claimed already. So now you immediately, in order to be free as a people, you have to be uh, uh, able to access and use and benefit from the natural resources. You once uh, immediately have gone head-to-head with the federal government. And, uh, and that's the type of stuff that they have literally wrapped up and have done it intentionally to make it so the people cannot be free. And those are the challenges that we face as a free people. And all we want to be is left alone is all we want. But you can't be left alone if you're not, if you can't feed yourself, you can't, you know, if you can't water your crops, if you can't build your homes. Uh, And all of that is basically been claimed by the federal government. Uh, and would base would become an act of war if you go to use. I think you're right on the point, Ammon, but I also think we've got to try because standing alone uh, isn't going to work. There's wisdom and counsel, uh, and there's strength in numbers, and uh, I think it's something that we need to try. I guess the only I question agree. left is where would it be? I've looked at uh, looked at this long and hard, and I've read Joel Skousen's report on, um, I think it's called... Um, Strategic relocation, that's his book on the subject. I think Utah or Idaho are the only two states would even have a prayer. Well, I know. What was it, uh, 10 years ago, Sheriff Mack, you were looking at the snowflake area in in northern Arizona. Um, um, Anyway, there are definitely uh, some areas where people are 
I like Arizona, but the state's just too big. I I, I think Arizona. I, I think the only real place is Utah or Idaho. I really think that. I agree with I agree with that, and uh, yeah, we've uh, we've tried this in New Hampshire. I guess New Hampshire tried it once. Bo Grides tried it. I don't. I you know I I agree with Idaho and and Utah. In fact, specifically, I would right now look at Beaver County, Utah. It's a place to consider. Juab County, Utah might be another decent place to do it. <clears throat> Either of those places would be pretty good. I think there's some places in Idaho, although when I watched how they responded to this, uh, it's all because of the COVID, gentlemen. When I saw the response to COVID in Idaho, I kind of freaked out a little bit. So Yeah, we did. We, did, we do, definitely don't have a conservative or a freedom-loving governor, that is for sure. He, he, he completely duped the people to make him believe that he is, you know, like-minded. Um, and that is absolutely not the case. Not that Utah's uh, ahead, but I do think there's an infrastructure in Utah. Um, there's almost a um, religious organization set up, whether you're a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or not. There is an organization set up to where, um, you know, you have a structure outside of government. Uh, perfect? No. But but it does exist more so in terms of community and neighborhood cooperation, more so than any other place probably on the planet. So there is something to be said for that organization uh, for stability and safety. Anyway, it's something that we need to pursue. It's something that we'll bring back to you on the radio uh, as we uh, talk about it more and work on it more. But I do believe there is something to this to say, is it a perfect answer? No. Has it been tried before and failed? Yes. But I don't see any other way but for enough of us patriots to get together for somewhat protection. Might we still be overrun? Yes. But the chances are less if we can at least have some government officials that would be friendly to our cause. And it would be less if we have enough people together to shed light on the topic. And that's one of the biggest things. When we're alone, it's very hard to get the word out and shed light on the topic. When enough of us are together... It's easier to get the word out, and the more we can shed light on the topic, the greater chance that transparency makes the cockroaches run and gives us at least some opportunity to have a, do I dare say, fighting chance. All right, hour one of the can, hour two coming up. we got a couple of debates to have, some disagreements, but we'll talk about them agreeably, and we'll do it in seconds. God save the Republic of the United States of America. Live from atop the Rocky Mountains, the crossroads of the West. West. You are listening to the Liberty Roundtable Radio Talk radio Show. Talk Show. All right, happy to have you along, my fellow Americans. Sam Bushman on your radio. This is the broadcast for August eighth in the year of our Lord two thousand and twenty. This is our two of two, and our goal always to protect life, liberty, and property, and to, pro- to mo- promote. Wow, to promote God, family, and country. On your radio in the traditions of our founding fathers. Ladies and gentlemen, it's all about the family. Yeah, the fundamental, God-ordained, traditional family. Welcome to Liberty Roundtable Live. All right, I've got Evan Bundy with me. I've got the good Sheriff Richard Mack with me. We had a great hour last hour talking about the wonderful 
wonderful Clive and Bundy and Sons win appeal. All right, that's great news. We also talked about socialism. We'll bankrupt America, no doubt about it. We talked about we're in serious trouble when the immoral counterculture becomes the culture. We talked about uh, the Jerry Falwell scenario. We talked about Judge Deneen Pearl saying, hey, don't worry about the uh, NRA and their corruption. It's all good. We talked about can we create a constitutional covenant community. All great stuff last hour. Uh, give me a little bit of time after the show. Both hours will be up so you can spread the word and, and, and share the information with your loved ones. Now, wait, you know, out, Sam. Sure. <laughs> Two things. Uh, one thing that I still need to cover with Ammon. Uh, so, Ammon, what happens to the poor souls who got intimidated by the government and took plea bargains and are still sitting in prison? Does this do anything for them? Great question. Well, um, like Todd Engel, he had also an appeal because the evidence that was withheld from him um, uh, in his trial was the same evidence was that was withheld in our trial. It just wasn't exposed in his trial. So uh, and he didn't take a plea. He was convicted only of two of the charges, and basically the jury didn't even get to hear even close to the truth because it was withheld. Uh, it looks like he's going to get a new trial. Um, now, those who took pleas because of this, um, there's only two ways to to be convicted in the courts, and that is by a jury. Well, I guess technically a jury or a judge, if you have a bench trial, if you choose. Right. But a jury can convict you, or you can convict yourself by admitting to something and pleading to something. Now, unfortunately, these people were scared, they were intimidated, they were coerced, and they were thrown in uh, concrete boxes for months on end and, and then offered, uh, you know, a little carrot if you will admit to something you didn't do. And they did admit to something they didn't do. Right. Um, but that convicted them. Um, and, and like IRN says in, in Atlas Shrugged, an innocent man is not guilty until he admits to guilt that it's not his own. Um, it still doesn't make it right, but it is a great example that you never should admit to something you didn't do, even right. under dire circumstances. So we keep fighting for them, hoping that, but there's no legal remedy to try to get them relief because they convicted themselves. The only legal remedy would be for the president of the United States to do what they did for Roger Stone and say, wait a minute here now. This is a sham court from the get-go uh, or a fully informed jury to be able to you know, know the truth of all things and then decide um, to give them a, a, an opportunity uh, when the government withholds this evidence and information and then people are forced out of fear to capitulate. Um, you know, There's got to be a better way, and, and those are the remedies that could be if we had honor enough to do so. So we have Jerry DeLama, um, who's, uh, you know, I mean, absolute innocent man, uh, other than he admitted to something uh, that he didn't do, even though, you know, they even coerced and threatened his him, him that they would prosecute his son. And uh, that was ultimately what he says, he why he took the, uh, the plea. We've got uh, Greg Burleson, um, who was actually convicted on some of the charges. Um, he's absolutely an innocent man. While he was in prison, he's gone blind. So now he 
you know, he basically sits there and doesn't really have a whole uh, great uh, advocacy, uh, you know, behind him. And then we got Todd Engel, who seems to be on a good path because his uh, conviction was overturned based upon his appeal to the Ninth Circuit and them. Uh, so he'll either they'll you know he'll either go back to trial, or they will uh, dismiss his case as well. Uh, we will see. And my response is our prayers are with both of them. Yes, absolutely. Uh, All right. And 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 then one other piece of news, Sam. Uh, the only other thing I had as kind of a co-host today, uh, Jerry Sheridan, a good friend of mine and a member of the CSPOA. Uh, barely defeated Joe Arpaio in the Republican primary for uh, sheriff. Wow. Jerry Sheridan will now be going against, I talked to him last night quite extensively, Uh, he'll be going against uh, socialist Democrat uh, Paul Penzone, who defeated uh, Arpaio four years ago. I really believe Jerry Sheridan has a chance. Uh, I I believe that we've had so many meetings with him, and he's starting to understand the constitutional sheriff thing. I believe that he'll be uh, uh, an excellent sheriff for the people of Maricopa County. So wow, Jerry Sheraton beats Joe Arpaio in nomination. That's interesting. Jerry beats Joe. Ammon, you want to respond to that one? Well, all I could say is that you know, and this is. But Sheriff Mack has done such a great job in his, you know, organization. Um, You know, there is only one man that is elected, one man or woman that is elected and given policing and arresting power uh, from the people, and that is the county sheriff. He has more power to do more good than even the president of the United States. And so, you know, choose wisely. Amen. And we like a lot of what Joe Arpaio does, and we're grateful for some of the things that he's done in the past, but the fact is he's not the most constitutional guy, and we need to vote for the most constitutional guy every time, Sheriff Mack. Yeah, and that's <clears throat> that's really what happened here. Uh, Joe uh, has a lot of baggage. Uh, uh, he's, he's been supportive of some of the stuff we've done, and we've had him speak a couple of times, but... Oh, my gosh. Uh, anytime that he did something constitutional, I had to talk him into it for uh, hours, uh, you know, days, and try to convince him to finally do it. Um, one thing that we will always be grateful to Joe Arpaio about, and that is the positive attention that he brought to the, as Ammon alluded to, the positive attention he brought to the position of sheriff. He made it nationwide. He made it worldwide that the sheriff is the most powerful uh, executive in the county. Uh, and he actually stood against the federal government right at the beginning of his term back in the early 90s. Uh, and, and he told them to get lost, uh, that he had this investigation when a train derailed, that the federal government came into his county and said, we got this uh, investigation, get out of the way. The sheriff said, this is Maricopa County, and I'll call you if I need you. Uh, and uh, Sheriff Arpaio and I just talked about that a few months ago when I was talking to him about his campaign, and I was trying every power that I could use to get him to not run. Well, and let's make this very, very, very clear. We're not going against Joe Arpaio here. No. What we're doing is whenever a principle is correct, 
whenever an individual is correct based on principle, based on the moral high ground, we back and support them. When they're not, and or when there's a better option, we've simply got to call that out and go for the better option or stand against the not, if you will. Uh, and that principle or that focus point that I think all three of us have tried to do to the best of our ability uh, really is the key here. It's not about Joe. It is about the Constitution. It is about the oath of office. It is about the principles that can either make or break freedom based on what we embrace and endorse and support and or reject. And that's a nice dovetail to the point today. So there's a bunch of headlines about this. And Ammon, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of summarize it, and then I want to give you a chance to correct the record if I misspeak in any way. Uh, there's a headline that I got from the St. George newspaper. Aspen Stoddard writes the piece, and the headline says this. Ammon Bundy stands in support of Black Lives Matter effort to defund the police. Now, there's a lot of headlines saying Ammon Bundy is joining Black Lives Matter, Ammon Bundy this, Ammon Bundy that. I'm setting it all aside for a second and saying, hey, let's hear from Ammon directly on the point. I don't think that he's joining Black Lives Matter, although I think he agreed with their point. Um, then there became a ton of backslash when Ammon Bundy said, or back, yeah, um, backlash when Ammon said, hey, I'm going to go to their rally. I support this point they're on. They're right on this point. They're right on principle here. And well, anyway, there was so much backlash that Ammon Bundy created a video and said, guys, whoa, wait a minute, hold on. Why are you all attacking me? And I think it was a, 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 a very um, poignant question that Ammon had. Uh, agree or disagree with Ammon, why attack him? Okay, we don't need death threats. We don't need attacks. We can agree to disagree agreeably, I would think. But come on, attack Ammon Bundy? When he has every right to think and believe and say what he wants? So do you, I would hope, ladies and gentlemen. So I got wind of that video, watched it, and I emailed Ammon and said, man, I don't know what the heck's going on, and I may not agree with you on this thing. But I defend your right to think and believe and say what you feel and want to. And I always have. And even when Ammon Bundy uh, did the refuge thing, and I felt like it wasn't the best idea, we never attacked Ammon over that. I think Ammon's an honest, moral, faith-filled gentleman. Uh, and we can not feel identical about maybe the best way to go about something. But it doesn't mean we need to fight and melt down. We'll come back and have Ammon respond and then dig into this thing. Hang tight, folks. Okay, girls, about finished with your lesson on money. Daddy, what is a buy-sell spread for gold coins? Well, when you sell a gold coin to a coin shop that's worth, say, $1,200, you don't actually get $1,200. But don't worry, we're members of UPMA now, so we don't have to worry about that. Daddy, what if somebody steals our gold? We don't have any gold at the house. It's stored safely in the UPMA vault, securely and insured. But the S&P 500 outperformed gold. Daddy, gold is a bad investment. Some people do think of it that way, but actually gold is money. And as members of the United Precious Metals Association, we can use our gold at any store, just like a credit card. Or I can ask them to drop it right into mommy and daddy's bank account because we're a UPMA member family. Find out more at upma.org. That's upma.org. 
So, you love talk radio, then you'll love TalkStreamLive.com. TalkStream Live is always on, 24-7, with the best streaming talk shows. Find your favorite talkers and discover some new ones. It's free, readily available online, or on mobile with any smartphone or tablet. Finding your favorite talk shows all in one place has gotten a whole lot easier. Just go to TalkStreamLive.com. Be sure to download the free apps from Google Play or the iTunes App Store. Talk Right, the conservative app offered by TalkStream Live that caters exclusively to the conservative talk radio community. Here you'll see only talk shows and podcasts from the conservative right, all the big broadcast names and online digital shows in one place. Talk Right makes it easy to find all your favorite conservative talkers with all the upscale features you come to expect from TalkStream Live. Keep up with the fast-paced political world. Download Talk Right today from Google Play or the App Store. All right, so anyway, that's kind of the summary of the discussion point now, <clears throat> which is, hey, you know what? Let Ammon set the record straight. I don't think he's joining Black Lives Matter. I just think he agrees with them on this critical principle. And look, we're not here to go against or go for people. It's not about a popularity contest, folks. It's about who's right based on principle. And do we have the humility and the guts to embrace that? To be humble enough to say, well, it, look, it doesn't, it, it's not a matter of the good old boy network or who's on what team or any of that kind of garbage. Okay, this isn't a sporting event. This is the sacred cause of liberty for crying out loud. And we need to have respect for one another's views on this, even if we disagree. Uh, have I summarized it fair enough, Ammon? Yeah, I think I think you've been fair on that. I, you know, the the way that this kind of began was we have again I've mentioned organized people's rights and there's about 31 32,000 people um, that kind of have joined together in neighborhoods uh, under people's rights as this network well black lives matter here in boise um was have been had been protesting and then also we had some protests up in uh Coeur d'Alene, and we knew that antifa had come in so we had actually activated uh the people in the network and they stood uh, at the at the businesses um, and ma- and the streets of Coeur and downtown Boise, and just made sure that um, that things stayed peaceful, that they didn't destroy private property, um, and that was you know our network that actually started that and made that happen. So we were in solidarity and making sure. And, and that- by the way, let's be very clear: that's doing the right thing based on principle, right? the right thing based upon principle we were it, it was the local people concerned for their businesses that called on us and are actually part of the people's rights and so people joined together and made sure that uh the those individuals that wanted protest had the right to protest and also that they there wasn't damage destroyed and looting and all of that now, I do want to set the record straight a little bit on the protest discussion. And I don't mean to disagree with you on this, Simon, but I want to clear something up that's important. I don't know that we have the right to protest. We have the right to peacefully assemble. And I don't mean to play games with the words, but there is a difference. We need to stick with the, with the uh, founders' yeah. understanding of 
peacefully assemb- peaceful assembly may not be the same as protest, which blurs into violence and riots and, and who knows what. And we need to stick with the core is the point. Well, I'm saying that the Constitution doesn't list all our rights. And you know that. Sam. Agreed, sure. Um, you know, so just because it says we have a right to peacefully assemble doesn't mean we don't have a right to protest. I agree. I guess I'm just saying it depends on what banner you put it under is what I'm getting at. Yeah, and I get what you're saying, and it has been a play on words, that's for sure. And, and I only say that because then they make it sound like all the other things that, that are against the law and that we shouldn't have the right to do almost seem like it's the same as what we have the right to do. And that blurring then with a lack of education makes people not even understand what our real God-given inalienable rights are. And that's the whole reason that I mention it. Yeah, but what we do agree on for sure which I think we agree on all of that, but is that we don't have a right to loot and we don't have a right to destroy people's property. Amen. And that's and, my and, point. Yeah. And so that's why we were downtown and that's why the people's right network activated itself. And the people basically defended their, their, their downtown. Well, anyhow, what happened is that kind of escalated to where People liked that idea, these so-called patriots, and they started coming in. You know, there were some biker groups and there were some more kind of more extreme groups that came in. Well, then they started actually abusing uh, the Black Lives Matter people, like to actually, you know, spitting on them, in some cases, physical abuse, and, uh, and which was absolutely incorrect. Yeah, so there, again, based on principle, we reject that. Yeah, right. And so then what happened is the Black Lives Matter, the Boise Black Lives Matter, reached out to people's rights. um, And it really wasn't me directly. They just, uh, on Facebook, and said, hey, when are you going to protect our rights? You know, here we are being abused. And they were. That was factually happening. And, And so, you know, people in people's rights, you know, including... I wasn't as as privy to it at the beginning, but they're like, hey, maybe we should respond to these people. Like, we should, like, say that we're going to stand and protect one group of people and not the other. Yeah, and see, if we're based on principle, though, this is a valid point, people. Let's be clear. We don't support the abuse of anyone. Ammon? That's right. So then, so I did. I reached out to them. I responded to their request and said, hey, you know, give me some details, uh, you know, how can we help? And so they gave us details of what was happening and some of the specific abuses that were happening. And then we began to communicate a little bit more. And so, and then they directly invited me to come to the Defund the Police rally. It was on uh, July 21st, the Defund the Police uh, rally that they were having. And they invited me directly to come. And I looked into it and felt like it was principled enough that I would go there and, uh, you know, bring attention to what they did to Lavoie in Oregon. And uh, I would support them in that. Now, let's be clear. Whether you agree or disagree with Ammon on this, he has every right to do this as a free man, for crying out loud. And if you disagree with it, you might say, Ammon, I don't agree with you. But the vitriol, the abuse, the, the hatred, the hostility that Ammon highlighted happened to him, in my opinion, is insanity and needs to stop. Ammon? Yes. Well, it's interesting because when I stand for principles, uh, you know, when it comes to liberty, usually the left 
will absolutely, if you want to say the left or the liberals, whatever, if you want to say, they'll just, they'll just, you know, I mean, it's a whole bunch of hate and I'll get like, uh, you know, death, death threats from them. Uh, I'll get all kinds of things. And then I go and actually on principle say, Hey, look, I'm going to support something that I believe is right. Uh, that might not be, uh, popular with the so-called conservatives. And the exact same thing happened. I mean, I was, when you say the exact same things, now the so-called right or the other side, whatever word you want to use for this sad divide, they're doing the same thing. That's your death point, right? Threats, you know, death threats, lies, you know, I mean, uh, just uh, I mean, the, the exact same thing, which because we have to separate, you know, principle from the principles from the unprincipled. And we have a problem in both, if you will, both. Um, there and uh, and that problem is, is understanding truth, understanding what is moral, what is right, and also understanding that someone has a has a has a right to disagree with you. So anyhow, um, that's kind of where it went. Uh, so I uh, planned on, but I felt like, well, rather than just showing up, I felt like I should probably inform. You know, people in the People's Rights Network, and you know, just let people know that I was going to be there, and that was really not for anything other than just to preempt what the what they why they might think I was at the rally, um, and uh, just to let people know why like, why I was there, and then it just went crazy. I mean, just people just lost their minds that I was going to actually go and support to fund the police rally with Black Lives Matter. Let me make one thing clear, ladies and gentlemen. Everyone is an agent unto themselves. This is a fundamental reality of freedom. And with that, everyone's an agent unto themselves idea, principle, doctrine, belief, whatever you want to call it. Ammon Bundy can uh, freely associate with whomever he chooses. Okay? So can I. So can the good sheriff. So can you. And you know what? Whether you like or dislike the choices that one makes, you have no right, no authority. In fact, it's lording over people to suggest you do have a right or a say or a and you have no right or moral high ground to attack and abuse and and and, and create a, a hostile, hate-filled, death threat style, whatever you want to call it, uh, environment for anyone. Whether it's the black life guy you disagree with, whether it's Tam and Bundy saying they're right on this principle, et cetera, et cetera, you have no right. And Ammon made this point in the video, and I completely, a thousand percent agree with that point. And I highlight it so detailed based on principle this way on purpose, because you know what? I don't think that Ammon Bundy planned to join Black Lives Matter as if he's going to be a card-carrying member, or one of the leaders. He just simply said they're right on defunding the police. And I want to support that. And when they're being abused, I'm going to come to their defense. Is he wrong on this? I don't think that he is. When we come back, we'll have the sheriff comment. And then I want to talk a little bit about uh, some of the details. Because we may not agree. We may agree more than we think. But we can disagree agreeably. Even so. And I defend Ammon completely. But I will say this, we need to take a step back and we need to make sure we're based on sound principles, people.
protecting your liberties. You're listening to Liberty News Radio. USA Radio News with Kenneth Burns. President Trump in Bedminster, New Jersey. If Democrats continue to hold this critical relief hostage, I will act under my authority as president to get Americans the relief they need. He's cautioning that he's ready to use executive orders to extend a payroll tax holiday, enhance unemployment benefits through the end of the year, defer student loan payments, and reinstate a federal moratorium on evictions. That's if an agreement with congressional Democrats does not happen, and that appears to be the case. Last-ditch efforts to negotiate a bipartisan deal have collapsed. Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer says he wants compromise. There are only two choices for them. Negotiate with Democrats and meet us in the middle. Don't say it's your way or no way. And if we do that, we can accomplish a whole lot of things. This is USA Radio News. Do you have an idea for an invention or new product? Do you think companies would be interested in your idea? Do you want to try to get a patent? Then call InventHelp now. InventHelp keeps your idea confidential and explains every step of the invention process. We create professional materials representing your idea and submit it to companies who are looking for new ideas. We have more than 9,000 companies who have agreed to review ideas in confidence. If a company shows interest in manufacturing your invention, we can negotiate on your behalf. We have helped over 10,000 clients receive patents. We also offer services including 3D modeling and animation demonstrating your idea, prototyping services, and we use state-of-the-art technology to show InventHelp client ideas to additional companies. Join the thousands of people just like you who chose InventHelp to pursue their idea. We are experienced. We are working for you. We are InventHelp. Call us for free information at 1-800-460-1663. That's 1-800-460-1663. Again, 1-800-460-1663. As President Trump threatens executive order action on coronavirus relief, one of his congressional allies praises the idea. USA's Tim Burke says at least one of those orders is ready to go. White House Economic Advisor Larry Kudlow says an order cutting payroll taxes was drafted and ready for the president to sign. The order will reportedly also deal with eviction notices and enhanced unemployment benefits. Regarding the president taking the executive order route, Republican congressman from Ohio, Jim Jordan, says. Well, what I hear, I think it's a great idea. I mean, the, the, the president, if, if you, you know, Nancy Pelosi and all the crazy things that, that she and the left, the hard left one in this bill, the president just wants to help families, wants to help uh, the economy. You know, the, the PPP program was, was good for those businesses who were so hard hit by the, by the virus. Uh, the president wants to do the right thing. The Dow closed up Friday, 46 and a half. The Nasdaq down 97. The S&P 500 up a couple of points. You're listening to USA Radio News. All right, Sam Butchman, Ammon Bundy, the good Sheriff Richard Mack. Hey, Sheriff, you ready to crucify us both? <laughs> Not even. I had a similar experience. Uh, mine was about as crazy as Ammon's, maybe not as crazy, but uh, I was asked to speak in Albany, New York, for a uh, support law enforcement rally. And uh, Ted Nugent, coincidentally, was asked to speak at a similar rally in New York City. Well, the authorities found out that Ted Nugent, being the high-profile guy he is, was coming to New York. They notified him just a day before he was supposed to get on the plane, or maybe the day he was supposed to get on the plane, I've already talked to Ted about this, and 
they told him that if he got, if he came to New York City, that they would immediately take him into custody and put him in quarantine for 14 days. So when I found out that, uh, I thought, well, maybe they're going to be doing the same thing at the Albany Airport, and that I might be taken into custody for 14 days. And we had school where I teach in uh, Levine. Uh, starting that same week, the, the back just a few days later. Uh, and I said, I probably can't afford that to happen. So I called the organizers and I, I ran that past them. And they said, yeah, we've already been thinking about it. So they decided to have me fly into Boston. And uh, they picked me up there and uh, drove me to Albany, uh, spent the night there and uh, went to the rally. And the sheriff who picked me up, Sheriff Carpinelli of Lewis County, New York, uh, said he never wears a mask, and uh, he never wore a mask the entire day, and uh, nor did several other people and other politicians and, and current legislators. Uh, many of them did not either, and this is on the st- Capitol steps of New York. And I've spoken there before and did a press conference once before there about the SAFE Act about gun control and helping sheriffs stand against gun control, which many did. And... Then uh, I spoke, and it went really well, and the crowd was about 500 people and really good people, and uh, at least I thought most of them uh, most of them were, and most of them were. But then, Antifa, uh, I don't know if it was Antifa, but I do know that they were wearing Black Lives Matter shirts and banners, and about seven or eight of them walked out in front of the crowd, between the crowd and the podium where we speak, and I saw them walk out there. Um, and they weren't doing anything except standing there showing their signs. They weren't yelling. They weren't interfering. Uh, they didn't interrupt any of the speakers. And then about 75, 85 people gathered around them, surrounded them. This is the patriot people, the good Christian American people. Hold on. The so-called. Wait, say that again. <laughs> the so-called. Yes, Exactly. Exactly. And they started surrounding them. In fact, they did completely surround them, boxed them in, were up against their bodies, kind of body slamming, but not uh, not violently, but just pushing, and yelling, screaming loudly, USA, USA, USA. And I'm going, oh, yeah, that's what we do in the USA. So then <laughs> I went up to the podium, and, and the lady was just trying to enter, the lady that was the uh, MC, uh, was trying to get the next speaker up. And I said, please let me talk a minute. Please let me address this and get this to settle down. She wouldn't do it. She wouldn't let me. So I could have pushed my way in front of her, I guess, and just kind of moved her out of the way, but I didn't. I didn't want to do that. It wasn't my meeting. And so I went down into the crowd and told them to leave these people alone. And before I got there, they started pushing and shoving really out of control pushing and shoving it got pretty i wouldn't say pretty violent but it got pretty rough and then the crowd kept pushing them over towards the grassy area right next to the street where these people came in and um, i went into the middle of the crowd and i literally started grabbing people's arms and and hold, while they're holding the american flag and telling them to get back to the rally i said and i was yelling at them this is not what we are. This is not what we do. Get back to the rally. Leave these people alone. You're playing right into their hands. Ignore them. They have a right to be here. 
leave them alone, and about two-thirds of the crowd listened and went back, and some others, no matter what you did, they weren't going to leave them alone. Right, and this is an example where, in this case, the Black Lives Matter people had the right to peacefully assemble, and these other people that are protesting what the Black Lives Matter believe in or stand for or whatever they were doing, I don't believe they have the right to protest like that. No, they don't, and it was 100% their fault. The Black Lives Matter did nothing to provoke it or instigate any kind of physical contact. It was 100% their fault. And, and Meaning the and Patriots' our fault. Our fault. Yeah, the, the good American Patriots' fault. And I was really ashamed of them. And afterwards, a reporter uh, came up to me and said, hey, you were really getting concerned about what was happening. Yes, I did. I was. And he said, well, what about it? So, And I told him, I said, this was our fault. And we need to be a little bit more respectful of the things we believe in and, uh, and, and, and conduct ourselves like Americans and Christians. And I said, uh, now, because of our reaction, the only thing people are remembering about this rally is what Black Lives Matter appeared. And, and, and the belligerent patriots and their response. My mother taught me something as a little child that I want to kind of bring up, and then I want to have Ammon be able to respond to this. My mother oftentimes, when I'd argue a point, she'd pull me aside and she'd say, Sam, you're probably right on this. I'm thinking, yeah, all right, good. You know, come on, Mama. And then she'd say this, though. And it cut me to the very soul at the time, but now I learned the wisdom of her point. She said, would you rather be right and lose the spirit? Or would you rather sometimes step back and know that you're right in your own heart, but let it go and keep the spirit of God? Ammon? Yeah, I think that that reminds me of a, a quote. I don't even know where it came from. that says, there's only room for argument if there's doubt. And um, I think as we, you know, anyway, I, I commend Sheriff Mack for what you did because that's exactly what should should have been done. And, and uh, again, it really comes down to principles. And, you know, there's a lot of room to allow somebody to do certain things when you, when you know you're right. You should be able to be confident in knowing you're right, allowing, like, even people to look like fools, act like fools, even step into your, your you know, into your space, um, even get, uh, you know, um, obnoxiously, uh, you know, distractive, distracting. When you're right, there's no, re- there's no reason to get all upset when you're standing on correct, correct principles. And so, anyway, I think we just have to learn that. But I do think that we have a, a problem among the patriots, if you will, of knowing what is correct principles. Um, it, and that's the same problem we have with, if you will, the liberals. Uh, it's about what is right, what is wrong. And, and that's what actually motivated me for the kind of the second part of why I continue, continued and continue to communicate with the Boise Black Lives Matter leaders and the organization. Not that I'm part of it, not that I condone it, not that I want to be associated with, you know, as they say, you know, communists and, and Marxists, but there's a great opportunity here for me to at least express true principles to them 
and let them consider it. Because maybe, in fact, I know many have never heard or never contemplated the true principles of freedom and 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 really the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm not going to miss this opportunity just because a bunch of so-called patriots uh, hate me or think that they own me and that I belong to them and I should only do what the mainstream patriots say I should do. Uh, I'm not going to miss this opportunity to share the truth. Nor should you, sir. And I will say, Sam, I had the exact same thing happen within just a couple of days. I had hate groups or hate hate mail and and phone calls from the left saying what an idiot I was, and they were cussing at my wife when she answered the phone and tell her what an idiot husband she has, and, and we're getting those hate calls. And then two days later, I was getting the same hate calls from the patriots that were there, and you know, people were telling me, good, you're never coming back to Albany and blah, 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 because of what the, got reported in the uh, newspaper that I, I spoke to afterwards, something Gazette, I didn't even care, I don't care who it was, but uh, my when I got home and a day later, my wife says, we're getting hate mail from the people who attended. And I go, what? They said, what did you say? And I said, I don't know, maybe I got misquoted. I don't know, that happens quite a few times in my career. And she she told the guy, well, if this was so bad, uh, tell me what my husband said. Tell tell me what happened. And he and he sent what I actually said. My wife going, man, you said exactly what you were supposed to say. That's nothing. There's nothing wrong with that. But that was the reaction. Well, I had a buddy. I learned from a good friend of mine. He was a cowboy, and I I, I dealt with him on a lot of real estate deals. And there was a lady that was super out of control, and I'm like. Dave, how the heck do you deal with this lady? She's crazy. And he smiles and he goes, I've just learned to kill him with kindness. Do we reflect about our future and where we as a culture are moving? Do we keep our trust in our jobs, homes, money, life necessities, investments, stock markets? Do we believe that our 401ks or other retirements will always be there? and that the current economic order will recover? Is the economy going to recover and life return to normal? It ain't gonna happen by a friend of Medjugorje. Whether you are poor, middle class, or rich, it ain't gonna happen. A book of astounding revelations about the present economic order and where we are heading. It ain't gonna happen by a friend of Medjugorje. To order, visit medj.com, spelled M-E-J.com, or call Caritas in the U.S. 205-672-2000. Why don't we say to the government writ large that they have to spend a little bit less? Anybody ever had less money this year than you had last? Anybody better have a 1% pay cut? You deal with it. That's what government needs, a 1% pay cut. If you take a 1% pay cut across the board, you have more than enough money to actually pay for the disaster relief. But nobody's going to do that because they're fiscally irresponsible. Who are they? Republicans. Who are they? Democrats. Who are they? Virtually the whole body is careless and reckless with your money. So the money will not be offset by cuts anywhere. The money will be added to the debt and there will be a day of reckoning. What's the day of reckoning? 
The day of reckoning may well be the collapse of the stock market. The day of reckoning may be the collapse of the dollar. When it comes, I can't tell you exactly, but I can tell you it has happened repeatedly in history when countries ruin their currency. Back with you live, ladies and gentlemen. So my, my cowboy buddy said, I've just learned to kill him with kindness. And I kind of find that an interesting uh, idea. Now people are saying, Sam, wait a minute. You said you had a disagreement with Ammon and uh, the good sheriff or whatever. And it seems like you guys agree on everything. Well, let's talk about it a little bit. Because I, I, in the final segment, and I hope we have enough time to get to all this. But here, here's my view. You know, there's different ways to go about things. Okay, I'm the guy that wants to just shut down all government schools 100%. The fact is they're the 10th plank of the Communist Manifesto. The fact is they're criminal enterprises that rape everyone's wallet by the government force, uh, by the government gun. They steal your money, and then they indoctrinate. They don't educate, and it's criminal. And it's the 10th plank of the Communist Manifesto. So I'm for getting rid of all the government schools, period. Just shut them down tomorrow. However, Kurt Crosby, my co-host that's with me during the week usually, he says, I agree with you, Sam, but you know what? We got to do it piecemeal. We got to do it a little bit at a time. If they want at least school choice, uh, you know, it's better than nothing. It's a step in the right direction. Well, I agree with him partially. I still stick with my view, and he kind of sticks with his view, which is your view is so great, Sam, but it's not even on the table. At least some of these other discussions are on the table. Are we disagreeing? Are we at odds? Or are we merely expressing a preference of how we think we should resolve a problem? See, I don't know that we totally disagree at all. And I think the same thing's true with this discussion with Ammon Bundy. So I emailed him and I said, I slightly disagree. And here's where I kind of disagree. I get that most of these Black Lives Matter people don't really understand the principles of liberty. Many of them have never heard the solutions we would talk about. And I agree with Ammon Bundy that they deserve defense. Based on principle, we would defend anyone that's being abused or wrongfully dealt with. I don't care who it is or where it is or when or, okay, that's right. Based on principle, that's correct. But we've got to step back a little bit and say, okay, wait a minute. But what are we doing and what are we building up and what are we supporting? So when we talk about defunding the police, I'm a guy that would defund most of the cops. I agree with the point. I would decrease a lot of their funding. Uh, I would only give funding to an elected county sheriff. And I would get rid of all funding to appointed police departments. Uh, I would literally get rid of all funding for bringing in military hardware from the federal government to the cops. I would redirect a little bit of money to uh, de-escalation training uh, and their oath of office training. And, uh, okay, so I agree. But when we say defund, what does that mean? Does it mean we just let the hood neighborhoods have no cops? So it's just like uh, anarchy in those places? The point that I'm getting at is that when I talk about defunding, I mean something totally different than, say, a communist or a socialist might mean. Or an enemy of the people might mean, a terrorist or a warlord might mean. And the problem is when you, when you get together with some of these people, if you're not careful, you agree on a, a word, a phrase, that then gets used against you. That then gets turned on its head wrongfully against you. And so I believe some of these Black Lives Matter leadership and funding, and those people have an evil agenda. And if you're not very careful, even though you mean well, 
you get swept up with uh, this other agenda and you're co-opted into there. And it's very hard to extract yourself sometimes. And so those are my only real concerns about words and terms and who and what and how. If you're not very careful, it might backfire. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't think Gavin Bundy should go to the rally. I think he should. And that doesn't mean that I don't think that he should build relationships with good people in their organizations, because I think he should. It just means we need to be a little bit wise as serpents, harmless as doves, kind of an idea. We need to be a little bit careful about, um, well, even on principle, if we're not careful, we get swept up into things that we may not have intended. Uh, You know, it's kind of like the guy that goes to the party and everybody's smoking dope at the party. And one guy says, well, I didn't smoke any. But the big bus comes and they're like, yeah, right, kid. And he gets thrown in jail, too. Well, he's at the wrong place at the wrong time. and He's not careful enough with the company he keeps, per se. It doesn't mean he did anything wrong, exactly. And I don't know that I'm spot on on this, but those are a little bit of my concerns, Hammond. Well, you know, and I, I do respect that. Um, one thing that I have tried to do and felt like I've been guided by, you know, God to do is to bring some of these things that to light. And what I mean by that is I'm willing to sacrifice my reputation in order to have people consider truth that maybe they've never considered before. So when I say I'm going to support Black Lives Matter or I'm going to, you know, join them in a rally to defund the police, when most of the nation is out there split, you know, completely polarized, and they're using these words like, you know, you know, like defund is abolish, um, I'm going, you know, I'm, I'm hopefully have made it, and I believe that I have the best I can, made it so that uh, a whole bunch of people have thought about it differently. Because that's exactly what I believe is what you expressed, that um, we do need to defund the police uh, and that most of these police agencies uh, do not have any constitutional authority to be policing and arresting and enforcing uh, laws on, on the people, um, that that is the duty of the sheriff and those that he deputizes. And the reason for that is, is because he is the one that was elected to do that. And what we cry and what I think a lot of us uh, believe on each side is that, you know, the, we become a police state. Um, we cry that there is, you know, police abuse. Uh, and yet we won't recognize, well, what is the mechanism to make sure that we police are accountable to us? Um, those, and that mechanism is, is the voting process of a sheriff. Um, if, if our law enforcement was constitutional, the enforcement would be done under a sheriff um, that has deputized. And if the people are unhappy with the way that that sheriff is acting, they can actually recall him, remove him, um, and hold him and his deputies accountable. But what we have is a whole bunch of city police where there's no mechanism to hold them accountable. We have a whole bunch of um, we have a whole bunch of state police where there's no mechanism to hold them accountable, and a whole bunch of federal police in every. In literally every bureau, every bureaucracy, even the the Department of Education has a SWAT team, um, and there's no way to hold them accountable. So, you know, I 
feel like it was important enough to bring these points to light uh, and do it in, in a way in which people will actually listen. And so, yeah, I'm going to go, you know, uh, you know, my plan was to go to a Black Lives Matter uh, rally, hold up a sign, uh, Justice for Lavoie Sinecum, and have a whole bunch of people question, why in the heck am I there? And then I can answer that question. And maybe they'll consider some truth that they've never considered before. And it's worth it to me. I don't need a reputation. Uh, you know, I, that's, that's secondary. I don't like to be the guy that everybody hates. But if they'll consider truth at the cost of my reputation, and maybe things will be better because of it, then I'm willing to sacrifice that. All right, Sheriff, and then I got one more point about a reputation because I don't, I don't think it's really about a reputation because I agree with Ammon on this. It, our reputations matter if not. The truth is what matters, and principle and honor and integrity is what matters. Uh, but what I don't want to do is give lift to certain people that may be uh, having evil intent for the country uh, and or to create violence. I don't want to give lift to their uh, ulterior agendas or whatever you want to say, uh, ulterior motive agendas. I want to be careful not to aid and abed them in that uh, effort. Sheriff, you want to respond? Yeah, and I think both you and Ammon alluded to this earlier, uh, and you were dancing around the the term uh, civil disobedience, uh, and I totally support that. And uh, Jefferson said something that uh, I just saw recently, uh, and it's this. If a law is unjust, man is not only right, to disobey it. He is obligated to do so. And I look at what's going on now and and uh, and then instead of these peaceful protests and rallies and marches, and I look back at the civil rights movement, would I have been courageous enough to march with the black people that were trying to stand for liberty uh, in a peaceful manner? Would I have been courageous enough to march with Gandhi and stand with those people? Would I have been uh, courageous enough to not arrest Rosa Parks and to stand with her and to escort her home safely, as I say in my presentation? And that that this hope now is that something else we've alluded to, all of us on the program today, is have the peace officers of this country and sheriffs trained uh, to know what their oath of office really means. We take an oath in this country throughout the entire uh, law enforcement community, but none of them know what it means. Ninety-nine percent of them do not know what it means, nor have they ever been trained in its importance. And that's what we do, and I hope to be able to do that because I believe that the sheriff still can change this country, literally change this country and get us back on track, but the people have to be with them. And we and yes, we have to stop obeying uh, unjust laws. I don't think we have a big disagreement here at all, ladies and gentlemen. And I agree that reputation is not the key here. I just don't want to give lift to uh, some of the maybe sinister agendas that certain leaders have in certain well, I organizations. Like, I don't like Black Lives Matter name. That that I would tell them right up front. And I've already said this. And I think we all have, because all lives matter. And to single out one group saying our lives matter is, is to me, 
counterproductive. To yeah, work. I get the disparity they're trying to highlight. If we're not careful, though, it backfires. I think we're all God's children, and we better start acting like it soon, Ammon. Yeah, I mean, I love the Declaration of Independence. It makes it so clear. I truly believe it was an inspired document. It declares that all men are created equal, and that we have certain inalienable rights given to us by God, and then that is the purpose of government is to protect those rights. It just seems so clear and so simple. Uh, and, you know, I do see a group of people in Black Lives Matter um, that, you know, want to stand for something, which is better than most, uh, to be honest with you, and willing to stand for something. I don't believe that they're uh, principled in most of what they're doing. Um, they are professing, you know, socialism, de uh, democracy as a mob rule. Um, they're, you know, they, ha they have mostly been uh, uh, cultured uh, to living off of somebody else's work. And, uh, but I, I still see a, a tremendous amount of good among the people, not the organization. Amen. Couldn't agree more with that point. We'll do all we can, Ammon, to defend you. It is about principle, ladies and gentlemen. It's not about people. It is about the law of Almighty God, and we are all God's children. And my question is, when are we going to act like it? You've got 20 seconds. Final words yours, Ammon. Well, um, just stick to principle. Um, and I do believe that we have to unite as a people uh, together in neighborhoods uh, to defend ourselves. That's what happened at the ranch. And Mac? so God bless you, and thank you for your time. Sheriff? It, it's time we get back. The solution is if we go back to the principles. If we don't, we're lost. America will be gone. A moral people, Trinity to Almighty God, the author of our liberty, is the key to success, ladies and gentlemen. For Ammon Bundy, the good Sheriff Richard Mack, and Sam Bushman, God save the republic.